0: Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Today we begin a new occasional uh, series where we're going to look at uh, the sacraments. If you don't know what a sacrament is, I'm sure you're about to find out. Um, but uh, Beer was just sharing his story of how he's gone from exploring faith, not really sure about what he knew, to experiencing the reality of Jesus Christ, and he's going to be getting baptized uh, soon. Remember, it goes ABC, Alpha Baptism Collectives. And uh, some people do it cab, and some people do it back. But anyway, and, uh, you know, as well as uh, baptism is one of the sacraments, uh, we're going to look at that soon. Um, uh, We we may well look at things like marriage and confession, which many consider to be sacraments as well, but today we're going to be looking at the sacrament of uh, communion, and we're going to respond by taking communion, which very much captures everything that we've been singing about and that Bill's been leading us in ministry around, uh, the hope in the midst of suffering. That is the message of the communion meal. And uh, we've just got the most wonderful person to speak on this subject today. Um, Daniel and Lisa Grothy are dear friends. I was working out, I've known Daniel for more than a decade and a half now. We were both 12 when we first met. And, um, (laughs) and, uh, you know, Daniel and Lisa have three kids. Uh, little Wakely Wilson, and one of them is here with us today on her first ever trip outside the United States of America. Lillian is just over Give us a wave, Lillian, I won't embarrass you, but that's Lillian. Uh, so we're especially honoured to have you with us, Lillian. Thank you for, for... I said to Lillian, next time you should just bring your dad and you should speak. And she said she might think about that. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Uh, listen, many of you will remember Daniel's previous visits. He regularly comes through. Uh, after today's talk, you're going to want to go and download his previous talks off the website. Um, he's a dear friend. He's the Senior Associate pastor, uh, uh, associate Senior Pastor of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. Uh, Brady Boyd uh, was with us recently, who's the senior pastor there. And uh, he's a world-class drummer. He's done a couple of degrees in theology, but as well as having a sharp mind, he has a very, very soft heart. He loves people well. Whenever I spend time with Daniel, I want to become a Christian all over again. He is massively kind, and uh, you're going to pick that up now. So I'd love us uh, to put our hands together and welcome our dear friend, Daniel Grothy.
1: good morning emmaus england is so beautiful my lord we don't get rain where i'm from like this and you just walk out and you see green and praise God, I live at 7,600 feet in altitude, and so it's just very dry. So I come here, and I don't need lotion, and I just smile. So um, I love this place. I'm going to be brief up front, but Pete and Sammy, good Lord, I love the Greg family, Bill and Nikki, the Heathers, the Burtons, the Thomases. This feels like a second home to me, and I tell my pastor back home, I told him this last trip six weeks ago when he was here preaching. I was up in London, and I said, hey, Brady, if you ever want to just send me on a six month f- mission trip to go learn, send me here. Uh, send me to Guildford. So, anyway, bless you, bless you, bless you. Can we jump in today? Okay, that was a rhetorical question. I'm going to jump in now. <laughs> it's very, very excited, you seem. Uh, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 11. We're starting a series on the sacraments. So, let me read you the words of Paul to the Corinthian church. And then we'll pray and jump in. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this every time you drink it. In remembrance of me, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Father, we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would move among us afresh today. Walk every aisle and walk every heart. Touch us and heal us and we believe that your word is alive and active and sharper than a double-edged sword piercing to the dividing between soul and spirit, and joint from marrow. You, you're the one who, who cuts us up in your gracious love, and you minister healing to us. And so we pray, let your word come among us today. Have your way, we pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's people said, amen. amen. Today we're beginning a new series on the sacraments. And I'm going to talk about Holy Communion, but I'll give you a little bit of my background. I've been around Holy Communion my whole life. I'm a pastor's kid. And so I'm the kid who at seven and eight years old, I knew where the usher's closet was. I don't know if you call it usher's here. But usher's, you know, they administered the sacraments and then they took them back into the usher's closet. And I knew where it was and I had the code. So I would go in and I would take my friends after church and we would gorge ourselves on (laughs) Christ's body. You know, we're just just pounding and I'm passing out grape juice to everyone because we were charismatics. We didn't believe in wine. Uh, you know, we, we American conservatives, we, you know, people who drink go to hell. That's what I thought when I was seven. And so we had our grape juice and I was passing it out to my friends and the church bully came in. He was kind of this, you know, eight going on 37 big burly guy. And he was, and, and he tried to come and take the bread and take the cup. And I stood in front of the table and I said, repent and be baptized. (laughs) You know, you will not receive communion until... So I, I'm a church kid. I've been around communion my whole life. I was in a church service one time where it was a, uh, a real cheap sound system. And uh, all the women were holding... The, the servers were holding the wine glass. And the men were holding the bread. And people were coming through. And the sound system just had... A, it just went pop. It was it was so terrible. And it was this loud screech and pop. And all the women got scared. And there was wine running down their dresses because they spill the cups on themselves. So I've been around it my whole life, but I'll be honest with you, I didn't really understand Holy Communion until seven or eight years ago. And I started reading and praying and seeking this out. What's going on in this meal that Jesus gave us? So the question I'll ask to start is, what is a sacrament anyway? So what is a sacrament anyway? A sacrament is a divinely appointed conduit of God's grace, a container that carries the glory and power Of God yes we can find Jesus everywhere I went out on a walk this morning in the Surrey Hills beautiful Jesus is there I'm calling on his name the geese are quacking in the background and it was just stunning you can find Jesus reading poetry you can find Jesus in a great concert Jesus is everywhere and can be accessed but the church has said for a long time that God can be found in particular places God could use a, uh, raise us to new life while swimming laps in the gym pool, but for whatever reason, he's chosen baptism to be the place. God could forgive our sins and set us right while we eat fish and chips, but for some reason, he's given us bread and cup. God could encounter us while we're reading the newspaper, but for whatever reason, he's given us the Bible. God can be found in particular places. So it has long been the insistence of the church that there are certain means of grace that will be disproportionately filled with the glory and power of God. Do you want to find God? The church has said, open the Bible, go to a prayer room, jump in the baptismal waters, come to the table of the Lord. Now, to understand communion, it's important for us to understand the role of food in Scripture. Genesis chapter 1, God creates a garden And there are herbs and trees and there's fruits and vegetables and the earth gives forth its yield. The earth brings forth the harvest. There's blessing and there's joy and there's this rich garden that God has given to Adam and Eve to be superintendents of. I've given you everything. Stay away from this, but everything is yours. Genesis 1 and 2, we know the story, turns in Genesis 3 when everything went south during a meal. So pay attention. Everything goes south during a meal. We take, we grab, we get, we we assume ourselves to be in control of our stories. And so we walk away from God and we all know what happens. The attempt to snatch the reins out of God's hand turns to thorns and thistles infecting the ground, taking over the good garden. We understand the slavery and the freedom, uh, slavery in Egypt and God's people were led into freedom into the wilderness. And what happens in the wilderness? God gives them bread manna shows up on the ground as a sign of his grace they didn't do anything for this food it's just there he causes the water to come out of the rock gushing forth at god says i'm going to feed and give drink to my people i'm going to take care of you in spite of your situation i'll take care of you and then he leads them into the promised land which scripture tells us is a land flowing with milk and honey there's just delight the grapes, are, the grapes are massive in this land, milk and honey and drink. But we know the story. The people of Israel live in this cycle of sin, walking away from God. So they're led off to Assyria, and brought home. Led off to Babylon, and brought home. Led off to Persia and brought home. But the psalmist all the while is shouting out, this is the God who prepares a table before me even in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil and what my cup overflows." God is going to take care of his people. He's going to create a table for them. He's going to give them drink. He's going to satisfy them to the deepest places. And the psalmist goes on to shout in Psalm 34, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then out of nowhere, this Jesus guy shows up and he takes bread and two fish and he feeds the multitudes. Jesus is satisfying the needs of the masses. He's feeding the hungry. He's blessing those. He's he's raising them up. Jesus shows up and these people see him breaking bread and passing out drink to the people. And on the night he was betrayed, he takes bread and he takes the cup. And he says, this is my body, and this is my blood. I am the God who will satisfy you. I've prepared a table before you, even in the presence of your enemies. So today I want to put in front of you the three movements, I'll call it, the three movements of Holy Communion. What's going on when we come to the table of the Lord? The first thing is we're gathering around the Lord's table. And I emphasize the Lord's table because there's not anything we can do. This is not a potluck. You don't come to the table of the Lord bearing gifts. You come to the table of the Lord, as Martin Smith wrote it so many years ago, empty handed, but alive in his hands. This is the Lord's table. It's a statement of grace. At the Lord's table, you see the story of grace. It brings us to the place of humility. I, I grew up in kind of the southern part of the United States of America, and it's a desecration to show up at someone's house without bringing something. It's, it's an offense, you know. Like, and so I'll, I'll text my friends when we're coming over for dinner. What can we bring? And We've got this one family. They, they won't let us bring anything. And I always argue with him. What can we bring? Can we bring a salad? Can we bring dessert? Can we bring drinks? Just let us bring something. And I finally showed up at his house one time, probably our third time for dinner. And he goes, you're always trying to bring something. Is this a pride thing? Let me take care of you. Come into my house. Be a guest. We've got this. Just show up. You don't need to bring anything at the Lord's table. We see the story of grace you can't bring anything but empty hands and an open heart. You can't do anything but look Jesus in the eye and say thank you. The second thing about the Lord's table is that the Lord's table the playing field is leveled. Paul in Galatians 3 says there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, and when you come to the table of the Lord what you see is that there is neither rich nor poor. There's neither educated nor uneducated. There's neither refugee nor patriot. There is neither conservative nor labor. There's no Democrat, there's no Republican, there's no high church, there's no low church, there's no black, there's no white, there's no brown. There is nothing that separates us. At the Lord's table we all come and the playing field is leveled. There is one father and there are many children. There is no. There's a very flat org chart in the kingdom of God. At the Lord's table, the playing field is level. There's a lady in our church, and I get emotional thinking about it. She's had the worst decade. I'm talking in a horrendous decade. She was happily married, kind of a Christian family, two kids, life is working, until her husband decides to leave her for another man. And she had no idea anything was going on. And he'd been living this life for so many years. And he finally breaks it off and leaves and marries another man. And their two children are just in shambles. They're eight and six when this happens. She moves from Seattle to Colorado Springs and joins New Life Church. And she comes in and you can just see it in her eyes. Her name is Jana. And Jana serves at the church and she works and her son was watching dad, and and he was spinning out, and and life just sort of fell apart for him as the most important figure in his life walks away from the faith, and the son ended up having a a transition surgery to become a girl. And Jana comes to church every week. Just she's longing for her boy, and what 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 happened to our family, and what did I do, and. Worshiping Jesus and giving and serving and blessing those who curse her. Jana's just lived well. She's watching life slip through her fingers. She continues to come to church, and their daughter has difficulty, and her finances just fall apart. And she's bouncing from house to house with her children, trying to keep it together. But you know what Jana does every single week? Jana comes to the table of the Lord. And she holds a loaf of bread. And I finish preaching and I walk off the stage and I come to the communion line. And there's Jana and she holds out a loaf of bread and she says to me, Daniel, the body of Christ broken for you. And every week I look her in the eyes and I I know her story and I think, Lord, how much must it cost her for her to be here? How much must it cost her for her to extend this bread by faith and trust that this is the truest story in all of the world, that either Jesus or nothing else. And here she is saying to me, extending grace, being a communicant of the kingdom of God, looking her pastor in the eyes and saying, Hey, Daniel, welcome to the table of the Lord where the playing field is leveled, the body of Christ broken for you. Where else can this happen? but the kingdom of God. The second thing I want to say about communion, the second movement of communion, is gathering around your tables. We come and gather around the Lord's table in the church, and weekly worship is absolutely crucial and important, and it's a part of the weekly rhythm of the faith. But then we go from here. You see the the power of God, the glory of God, the kingdom of God was meant to burst out of these doors and all over this region as you go filled with the Holy Spirit. Gospel of Luke, there's 19 meals in the Gospel of Luke. 24 chapters, 19 meals. 13 of them are unique to Luke's Gospel. They're not in any of the other stories. New Testament scholar Robert Karras wrote that in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. Jesus is this man who loves the table. And in fact, he loved the table so much he's eating with tax collectors and sinners, he's eating with sinful women, he's eating with lawyers, he's eating with Zacchaeus, the wee little man. And Jesus is going from house to house, breaking bread at the table and calling people to the table, so much so that they called him a glutton and a drunkard. Jesus loves the table. You see, the gospel writers want us to see that the table is where God's salvation is breaking out. And this is part of your story as a church. This is a part of your identity. Please don't miss this. Emmaus, Luke 24, the story of Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus with the two men leaving Jerusalem. And it says, as they came near the village of Emmaus to which they were going, he, Jesus, walked ahead as if he were going on. They didn't know it was Jesus. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread. And he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and then their eyes, then at the table, when he took the bread and broke it. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and then he does what Jesus does. Vanishes from their sight. And then verse 34, they were saying, the Lord is indeed risen, and he appeared to Simon. And they, then they told that whatever happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Brothers and sisters, this is your identity as a church, which is why you've been doing things like 100 parties in 100 days. Having people in your homes and creating Jesus parties all over this region saying the kingdom of God has come and there is joy for you and we're going to open our hearts to you. What is your name? We want to know you. We want to bless you. Which is why you do Alpha and you feed people a beautiful meal. Which is why you have prayer rooms and collectives all over the region and you go to missions on missions to the end of the earth because you understand That Jesus is the one who's always calling people to, to the table and he's got food and he's breaking it. And as he does, people's eyes are being opened to the life of Jesus. You see, the call of the Christian is not just to receive the sacraments. The call of the Christian is to be so nourished by Jesus that we become a sacrament for the world. We don't just come to the church and, oh, let's have a little snack. This is really nice. And this is a great little symbol and nice. Oh, precious Jesus. We've got a little bread and a little juice. And no, the, the, the call of the Christian is to become a sacrament for the world. That when you walk out of this place, Jesus Christ appears in the library and in the supermarkets and in your neighborhood and in your schools and at your jobs on Monday morning. What happens is we're so nourished by Jesus that we walk around and people begin to taste and see that the Lord is is good. This is our identity as the people of God, opening up spaces for people to encounter Jesus, inviting the world to the table. The third movement of Holy Communion is going out to prepare a table. The first movement, we come to the table of the Lord. The second movement, we have people at our home, around our table, but if we've done this right, if we've been impacted by Jesus, if we've seen what Jesus does in the trajectory that he's always walking on, we will go from the table of the Lord into our homes and then we'll go out to prepare a table for the world. Communion becomes the paradigm through which we see the world. There's an inward work of grace and there's an outward work of mission. Our church started doing this eight years ago, receiving communion on a really regular basis because we were reading and praying about it and felt like the Lord was asking us to to pay attention to what's happening here. And from that, about six years ago, we opened a place called the Dream Centers of Colorado Springs. Because we saw what Jesus had done to be good to us and we heard in our city that there were thousands of women who were underinsured or completely uninsured and they couldn't go see a doctor. We aren't like you. We we need to pay attention to what you guys are doing over here. Medical care is a luxury in our country. God, forgive us. And so we started hearing about all these women all over our city who couldn't go see a doctor or couldn't get any kind of care. Pregnant women who are six months in and they haven't had any checkups, no medicine, no, no updates. And We said we've got to change that. And so we opened the Dream Centers of Colorado Springs right at the, the, the sort of middle of the economic depression in our city. And in the last six years, we've had over 28,000 appointments for free. Women coming in, women who are pregnant and deciding if they should get an abortion. And we show them a 40 ultrasound of their baby and we go, isn't she beautiful? And she decides to give life, bring life into the world. We've caught women who are in stage 2 or 3 cancer and they had no idea. And we were able to refer them right away and get them an appointment and set up and taken care of. And now we've got women who are in remission and they didn't even know they had cancer before this. We're those who are called to prepare a table. We bought an apartment complex because there are moms living in their cars at night with their kids, sleeping in parks all over our city. And the mayor told us that there were at least 800 documented women, single moms with their kids, sleeping in cars. And we said, in Jesus' name, not on our watch. Are you kidding me? And so we bought an apartment complex and remodeled it. And it's beautiful. And there's 18 moms and their kids all sleeping safely at Mary's home. Tonight in Colorado Springs, not because we're awesome, not because we're awesome, but because we've seen what Jesus has done for us and he's prepared a place for us and he's fed us and we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And we know that there are people who are starving for his grace, starving for his provision. And so if we're the church, we've got to live like this. Brothers and sisters, there's a trajectory that we're on as we live as people coming to the table. We go to prepare a table for the world. Last thing I want to say here is at the Lord's table, we practice God's good future. Do you know that Revelation 19, where the story comes to a close, Revelation 19, we read about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Where Jesus finally at once and for all makes provision and, and all evil is ended and all suffering is broken off. And Jesus comes and those who have followed him gather around the table and we look the lamb in the eyes. And we say glory and honor and praise and riches and wisdom and strength and majesty unto our God. And Jesus breaks the bread and he passes the cup of wine and he says it is finished. Brothers and sisters, when we come to the table of the Lord, do you know what we're doing is we're anticipating that great and glorious day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We anticipate that day when there is no more sorrow, when there are no more children with bloated bellies, when there's no more war, when there's no more sex trafficking, God have mercy. When massacre is done. When hatred ceases. When nations no longer rise up against nation. Because they see the king seated on the throne. And so when you come to the table of the Lord. This is not just Jesus forgiving us of our sins. Absolutely. But that's the beginning of the story. The fullness of the story is that one day. Jesus Christ will feed the world. He will give us a drink. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more death. There will be no more funerals. There will be no more war. And every time you come to the table of the Lord and every time you gather around your tables at home and you say, Lord Jesus Christ, we worship you. Anticipate the healing of the world. Pray for the healing of the world. Yearn with Jesus. Yearn with the saints. Yearn with those who are struggling all over the world. And pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And so saints, would you quiet your hearts and close your eyes and bow your heads. I want to pray blessing. Lord, we pray that you would make us a people who become a sacrament for the world. We receive from you mercy and grace, absolutely. Thank you for washing our sins away, but we pray that you would make us those who have been activated to serve your world, to prepare a table for those who need it. And we pray today as we come to the table of the Lord, we pray that all things would be made new. We pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, we pray, have your way among us today. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's just be still for a moment.